Hello and welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, their career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. Pitch Black, Visitors, Silent Hill, Surrogates, The Darkness, The Shack, Dreamcatcher. These movies have two things in common. First, they're a mix of horror and thriller. And second, they all star my guest, Rada Mitchell. Rada, an Australian native, hasn't only taken on roles in creepy, scary movies, though you may know her for playing a tough pilot in the 2000 sci-fi cult classic, Pitch Black with Vin Diesel. She's also appeared in comedies, some lighter films, and even action movies. Whatever the role, Rada comes across as thoughtful, tough, and serious, which is why our conversation about how she spends time painting, growing papayas, and having conversations with her robot vacuum, she's obsessed with house cleaning tools, left me laughing. A quick note, because of COVID-19 and shelter in place, our conversation was recorded over Zoom. I'm in Silicon Valley, and Rada spoke with me from her home in Los Angeles. So be prepared for a few audio quirks. Well, let me let me start by asking you about your your film career. I went back and looked at your catalog, and yeah. all of these movies that and I've seen many of them scare the bejesus out of me. You're you're really into a lot of sci-fi horror independent films with a psychological thriller bent. And so I'm just curious about what what did you watch when you were growing up and how did that inform the kinds of movies that you star in today? Very childhood. So this is all just therapy. Um, no, <laughs> yes and no. No, there's definitely some sort of drama that went on. But uh, movies I, rem- I remember, uh, you know, the first movie I remember is Cat People. Um, and then I remember- Nat- Natasha Kinski, that version? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Then I remember The Hunger. Um, I th- in fact, I, I saw those movies as a double feature, sort of accidentally. I don't think I was supposed to be at the theater for this double feature, but somehow I got, I guess my mom couldn't find a babysitter. So I was there and I never forgot these films. Um, and then later on, Clockwork Orange, this was the same theater because my mom used to kind of be friendly with these people that ran in uh, like a 1930s film theater. So they would film... They would screen like, you know, silver screen movies and then they would screen these kind of cult films. Um, but those movies left an indelible impression basically because they terrified me, but also because they had so much style, you know, and the acting was great and um, they were kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I guess that they left an early impression. Well, as I say, you've been, I was like looking through the catalogue and it, a lot of your movies have one word or just two. Silent Hill, you're yeah. about the dream catchers about to be released. Sacrifice, Visitors, The Crazies, which is oh, yeah. a remake of a George Romero film. The Darkness, The Shack. They have a the in front of them. The something, yeah. Uh, I think that's the genre. I mean, The Shack is actually an inspirational story about dealing with grief and embracing Christianity. But honestly, I think it's the same audience. Uh, those horror buffs and uh, the devout Christian community. Um, I think you're speaking to the same group. I don't know why that is, but it could be. And why they have to have one title, one word, I don't know. Just keep, you've got to keep it simple sometimes for it to penetrate. Um, I was reading an old interview that you gave about The Crazies, which, as I said, is a, rem- a remake of a George Romero original. You play a pregnant woman 
who with her husband is trying to escape a town in Iowa full of people who've turned into crazy killers because of a virus. And yeah. the thing that I thought that was most interesting is that you said that you're not an action star in this movie. You're a real woman, not an action hero. Yeah, I was probably trying to make that sound good, but I actually wanted to be an action hero. <laughs> do you? Because I was going to say, in most of your movies, you actually do play a very strong yeah, no, woman. I, I don't get to carry the gun enough, I think, you know. So Maybe it's something I'll do later in life, which I think would be the better time to do it, you know. One of the reasons I enjoyed working, say, with Lynn Shea, who's an actress uh, who's older, I don't know how what her age is, but she is the kind of person you can see carrying a gun with gusto and was really quite an inspiration to me, um, just her passion and her craft and uh, redefining stereotypes of what women are supposed to be, what people are supposed to be at a certain age. So if I have to wait a little longer to be the gun-toting superhero... I think it will be just desserts and it will be very satisfying. It doesn't have to happen now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to seeing you in those roles, actually. Yeah. I think that would be totally <laughs> fierce and kick-ass. That's great. Your next movie, though, which comes out later this month, the um, Dreamcatcher, is not that movie. <laughs> no. No. But it could be in the sequel. We'll see. And I am one of the producers. So, so uh, I could carry a gun later. No, Dreamcatcher plays out like a psychodrama between um, a young boy and his father's girlfriend. Um, and the two of them are kept isolated in a house um, upstate New York. And uh, he is bereaved and grieving the death of his mother, his actual mother, and having these very kind of um, intense nightmares she is a psychotherapist who believes that she can kind of guide this child through this and maybe you know help him um, and as the story plays out her whole perspective shifts completely and she sees the world from a very dark point of view by the end of the story um, okay we're not going to do any spoilers but yeah. um, again it's another movie that would keep me up literally at night even though it's Dreamcatcher. Yeah. And Although it does kind of play like a family drum. You could watch it, strangely enough, I would say with the whole family. It's got the brakes on just enough to not go too far, but still to give you that, uh, you know, it's very creepy and, and it got a very kind of intense mood and kind of like a slow build, which is sort of like, uh, I was going to say a psychological striptease, but you're going to misinterpret that. No, I mean, it like slowly kind of takes you to where it's coming on. It's interesting in that sense. Okay, well, that's good. Um, that movie is going to be released on DVD and in select release because we're living at a time when, I'm curious, uh, you know, most of the world is at home, if they're lucky, streaming, Netflix, Hulu, CBS All Access, what have you. And I've been talking to some people who wonder what this means for the future of movies. Mm -hmm. Your career has been in movies, you know, having that... Um, big theater experience. What do you make of all of this? I don't know. I mean, there's, I've always enjoyed the romance of, I mean, sometimes even literally the romance of going to the theater on a date or, you know, this sort of the kind of social element to it, <clears throat> but also the magic of it um, and sharing that with the collective is, um, has always been sort of beautiful and the format of the hour and a half, like here's the story and now the story ends and you're kind of left in the dream of that. 
but um and honestly to be perfectly honest i'm not really into long format storytelling that i don't want to commit my whole life to watching a tv series it just feels like a waste of my life um that's me i only say that because i have been like suckered into watch you know binge watching things and then just like felt like a you know like the hangover of that afterwards just like ugh, what just happened to hours um so that um and even in my quarantined experience recently i was watching things on my computer on the netflix and dissatisfied with my television screen or whatever and then i evolved and stuck this projector thing here and now i'm watching like movies in the house and it's the full cinematic experience um and i wonder why you need to go to the theater pay all that money sit down eat the crappy food and have like five people in there anyway why bother when you can just do it in your house but of course there will be people and we all have built into our psychology the whole going to the theater experience but my hope is that they up the ante there and turn it into more than just sitting in a chair that's uncomfortable and make it a thing you know bring the champagne have the jazz music playing in the lobby you know like it used to be it used to be a thing to go to the theater back in the day refer again to you know the 1930s and the theater that i remember as a child not in the 30s but as a kind of a, a, a homage to that time and they did have someone playing the piano in the theater and you did shrink champagne and it was a whole experience going out like that you have a double feature you know so it was like a whole thing that's true um it was very glamorous i don't know that uh today it might be very very expensive to do that right or not i mean they've got the spaces already set up they just need to add something else to it you know and get i think they have liquor licenses some of them um just add a little um add a little something for the expense it costs to even get there and the time it takes and you know why bother you know i mean this is definitely the topic of conversation for the year because yeah uh, all of us are at home entertaining ourselves in various ways as i say streaming is yeah. part of it we crave community that's the other thing you know and i think that's probably what's going to draw people to the theaters is just just the you know the community of it and and being with people being in the group being human being part of the species although maybe we'll see the revival of a drive-in movie theaters you can be really together are. apart apparently we do we we have already i mean i don't think we're going to be in in corona crisis mentality forever but it's definitely going to impact uh the way we view everything um in the long term but i i don't think we're going to be afraid to touch each other forever asking how are you dealing with life in quarantine um i don't know if the house is messy i don't know what you can see but things are floating around the room um <laughs> kind of put them back when i use them just cuz like being you know in this space um uh creates uh you know constantly you're just dealing with your own mind and your own mess and maybe other people's mind and mess or uh, their creativity there's a painting being painted here there's a uh, stuff going on in the house um which is kind of fun to have the creative flow going um there's a lot of dishes being washed constantly and a lot of cleaning just lots of cleaning and making mess and then cleaning um and then sitting with 
my own mind and my own anxieties and you know the whole kind of economic pending crisis waiting for that to start to have its real impact getting an experience of it now um and just deciding to just be cool <laughs> try to be cool while that's going down um to be perfectly honest i think i had the virus for it. i've been sort of out for like two weeks was sick and now i'm on the other side of that i just more just like intense flu kind of and fatigue but i didn't have trouble breathing or anything so that wasn't i don't think it was a priority to test but um but certainly good you know created it you know i was in the quarantine kind of consciousness earlier so yeah i've really been getting familiar with the house <laughs> I read an old interview with you that said you're a vegetarian and that you have a worm farm. Oh, Is that still true or not? The worm farm sort of became a rat haven, so it had to be closed down. But I have now got a new machine uh, that I love. There's two machines that I love. I've got a robot vacuum cleaner, which I've grown to love. Um, intimately no not too intimately but you know almost like a personal relation it's so cute this thing but the other thing is this machine that um you pour your food scraps into and it dehydrates them and turns them into like um compostable powder so i never have to throw any of my compost into the trash so all my trash is recyclable and then this compost is can be used in the garden and it's not a rat magnet so that's the evolution of, of that i don't know if it's as great of a uh, compost material as the kind of stuff you get from the worm machine uh like building worm compost which you know we won't go into that but i am especially through this experience even more now than before an advocate for people growing food in their small houses or in their patios or just in an urban environment to kind of not as have us be so dependent on these external um external powers you know, what, what, what are you growing i'm growing oh i'll show you <laughs> so it's not a very evolved uh, garden but it does have a papaya tree and so wow papaya is ripening in the house right now and there's four more outside uh there's a little orange tree like tiny little orange tree that has been producing quite a few oranges there's a little apple tree which is making apples so fruits are quite easy because they don't require a lot of maintenance um and if you, you can have small little trees and they don't affect anybody else so yeah i'm into growing um i've i'm starting this online course actually for for guide like um gardening i guess uh, so it's like a three-week course i started yesterday and it was all about soil quality and measuring soil quality and you know that's kind of part of a political conversation talking about how we can engage the process and not see ourselves as the cancer of the planet but as the custodians and how we can actually even in our gardens improve the soil quality and sequester carbon out of the sky and keep the water in the ground and yeah 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 but anyway here's the papaya I that's that's amazing and but I wanted to ask you about your robot vacuum did, um, have a, did you give it a name little robo it's called <laughs> that's it's great yeah and there's different kinds of robots I, I don't know what the brand is but this one actually does the job although little robo has been so overused that it I think he's having a digestive problem right now and <laughs> needs to maybe go to the doctor but 
that's to be determined. Yeah, and that's not going to happen for a little bit unless the symptoms are very severe. It's getting really loud. He used to be silent, like just crawl around quietly doing his thing, and now he's like getting very noisy. It's not very nice. <laughs> I also um, Siri, and she's a, you know she's my kind of schizophrenic cousin. Um, <laughs> she's like plays random songs whenever she actually my series are he he plays random songs whenever he feels like well she it's still she but with a man's voice um with a man's voice is it australian accent or american kind of elegant like a butler kind of that never nice. does what you want him to do The name of this podcast is I'm So Obsessed. Is there anything that you're obsessed with beyond, I guess, cleaning up? And <laughs> um, what am I obsessed with? Uh, God, I'm not obsessive, I don't think. I probably am, but of like stupid things that would be embarrassing to talk about, like, you know, organizing things. I'm, I'm obsessed to be perfectly honest with like trying to organize my time and, you know, trying to figure out ways to do that. Um, interested, but maybe not obsessed with, um, you know, what we can do with our environmental states and how we can as individuals kind of participate in sort of micro levels, um, you know, really, as you say, kind of aware of the value of intimacy and connections between family and people. And we're really experiencing that now. Um, um, I'm a, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. So of course I've seen pitch black. You played, um, kind of a kick-ass pilot in that. And it was notable because you're on a planet filled with lots of evil creatures who, um, yeah. who can't fun function in daylight. You're facing, uh, an eclipse, solar eclipse and Vin Diesel in one of his early roles. Um, are you a sci-fi fan? What drew you to that project? Why did that appeal? And are you a sci-fi fan? Yeah, am I a sci-fi fan? Um, I can be, not always, not not to the genre, but to a good film, and certainly to you know projecting the forward conversation of where we're heading, you know, as a culture with science, you know, where are things going? I think these movies prepare us for things. You know, they prepare us for the world we're going to live in, um, and it's all coming out of imagination. Um, so these are kind of, they're often like uncanny in how predictive they are. So I love that about the genre. Um, Wait, I'm trying to think of in Pitch Black, what came out of it that is now that we're looking at, I guess, you know, um, Vin Diesel's eyes. People are talking about uh, contact lenses with yeah. uh, augmented reality built in. Yeah, well, he, he had lenses that allowed him to see in, uh, heat, right? Something like right. that. Um, what else came out of that? I don't know. We haven't quite got our intergalactic travel going yet. Right. Uh, we do have a lot of female pilots that we may not have had uh, prior to that time, uh, especially in India. Uh, I'm just thinking statistically. Uh, what else came out of it? What else happens? We haven't seen the aliens yet, but I'm sure they're lurking around. Oh, I'm sure they're already here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are probably in the White House, but anyway. Um, next question. Um, yes. Let me ask you about another movie, um, Silent Hill, which is based on a video game, very well-known uh, yeah. video game. Again, um, you know, a, 
a video game that has its own cult following. You played uh, the lead, one of the leads in that movie. What was the appeal for Silent Hill? I didn't know much about the video game before the movie, um, but I think it was the director, Christoph Gans, um, who he was a super passionate filmmaker. He was a French film critic who was also an avid video game player. Um, and he'd made a movie called Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is kind of multi-genre kind of adventure thriller, uh, which was just really cool. When I saw it, I was impressed. Um, had Monica Bellucci in and I forget, Vincent Casal, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so then he wanted to do this thing and his, the initial conversation was just strangely, um, he was like super highbrow kind of film buff. He was like referencing Orpheus and all these like classic movies from way back when that I, <laughs> I had to go and review. Um, and then that sort of sat alongside this thing that had a place in pop culture, you know, and it was like a cult game. And he had also this reverence for the game and was really going to try and, you know, not dissatisfy the fans of the game and also wanted to evolve the, the story and had this agenda to have a primarily female cast, which he did, the villains and the cop and my character and the little right. girl. Um, and at one point, I think the whole cast was going to be women, but he had to, apparently was encouraged to by whoever was paying for the movie to add some extra male dimension to the story. But he did have this intention to do something kind of unique. Did you end up playing the game or looking at the game at all? Yeah, yeah, I never got super into it. Um, but yeah, play, try, tried to get through it. <laughs> Maybe some, some way through it. But I really enjoyed the narrative of the game and that kind of uh, uh, almost static kind of delivery of the character. You know, you know hi, blah, blah, blah. It's very transportive and it is creepy. Um, I enjoyed that, that mood. And that's what we tried to capture. I, I would say you were successful to that end as somebody who played the video game and watched that oh, movie. Oh. But I was just curious if it turned you into a gamer and it doesn't sound like it did. I think yeah. games are going to get more and more exciting. I don't think for me they're at where I want them to be to give them all my energy, but where they're going to go is, you know, they're going to leave movies behind. You're not going to want to watch films when it can be so immersive and you can be active in the story and... Um, I think the performances are going to get better and better. Um, you know, the characters that are in these video games. Um, so I'm looking forward to them in the next couple of years. Well, they're definitely, the storylines are definitely getting more involved and complicated and you're right. We're seeing a lot of tech like VR and AR that is making people more comfortable with being part of the entertainment experience rather than just a viewer of it. Theoretically, I would love to be involved in an immersive project like that, you know, like a, an immersive video game story uh, that you put on the thing and then you're in the 3D reality and, you know, I was one of the characters. That would be amazing. I'd love to do that. Um, but I'm not sure where, where that's going yet. That's kind of going, we're waiting to get there kind of thing. And hopefully I'm going to be part of it on some level. Um, that'll be exciting. Uh, how tech? No, I'm not techy. I'm, I'm, I, I try to kind of keep up with things that seem to be useful, but um, I'm at sort of a slow to learn. But I do, you know, I'm slow to learn, but I do adapt. Is there is there a piece of tech that you would like invented 
that hasn't been invented that would oh. be great for Rada? What would it be? What tech do I want? Well, as I was saying, I just love my robot uh, vacuum cleaner. It's my favorite. I love it. Um, I tried to get a robot window cleaner, which I hate. It, it doesn't do anything like it's supposed to do. I got two. I thought maybe it was the brand. Both of them conked out, both totally ineffectual and disappointing pieces, expensive pieces of redundant technology. So that could work better. Um, God, yeah, well, I'm obsessed with house cleaning tools. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, you are. But I guess that's okay because that's where your mind is right now. I don't want to do, and I don't want to have someone else doing it. I just things like that, you know, like robots to do the stuff we really don't want to do. Um, great, uh, robot okay. to take over creativity. Not great. Robots that keep us separated from each other. Not great. Do I like Siri, who I live with? Um, not really. So that I could totally get rid of if it were to improve and turn the lights on when I want her to and you know, do all stupid stuff like that. I don't mind turning on the lights, you know. I don't mind washing the dishes. You know, actually, the dishwasher is good, but it's low tech. Right. <laughs> low tech tech is good. And you dishwasher know, was invented by a woman. You know that, right? Well, that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's a task that nobody needs to do. I don't think I don't get any Zen pleasure out of doing the dishes, particularly. Uh, well, we'll have to send someone over to your house at some point because we can connect your smart home and it can turn on and off your lights, set the temperature, start your oven. Obviously, it means connecting all of these uh, yeah. devices together. But I mean, yeah, I'd be accepting of that if that were to ever happen. If somebody could like make it happen and make it work, it, that'd be great. Honestly, even the television doesn't work for me. You know, television is, yeah, I've given up on the television. Um, but you have your giant projector there and you're projecting movies i really do and i hate the television so there you go um yeah what do you what have you thought about that you could see improving your life or the lives of others um well so now i have a i have a daughter who is abroad during this crisis and so i really appreciate video conferencing but it would be wonderful to like sort of strip away the computer and just have her be projected in the room be able to teleport us that i'd be down for that like quickly move us into the same physical space yes. um, the other thing i'm interested in is mobile homes big ones that you don't have to drive they're self-driving mobile homes so you're basically you can sleep while you're driving between san francisco and you know la wake up in a forest you know without this whole clunky mobile home trick that we're dealing with right now yeah, to be in your home and uh, free on that level would be pretty cool. And I think we're close to that. You know, some pods that you can live in that transport themselves. I, I think that's still low, a little ways away. But the self-driving part of it is getting better. Yeah. Have you seen that new truck thing that he's invented? Yes. Drive, yeah. self-drives. I hope it doesn't crash into things. But to me, that looks like it's getting close. Do I want to go to outer space? Um, sure. Yeah. No, not really, but sure. Yeah. <laughs>thank you again, Rada Mitchell, for taking time to talk with me. And thank you for listening. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, take care.